0: ago, I was an awkward teenager with bad skin and bad hair. I saw Warren blow Motley Crue off the stage in 1990, I saw them kill poison in 1990, and I even saw them do a really great shed show here in Atlanta as a headliner. Eventually, with a change in the currents of music, Warren was about to become a relic of sorts, just as they were putting out their best album in one of my favorite albums of the era, Doggy Dog. 30 years later, all the original members of Warren, except for the sadly deceased vocalist Janie Lane, are touring and celebrating the 30th anniversary of their debut album, Dirty, Rotten, Filthy, Stinkin' Rich, along with their latest vocalist, Robert Mason. Warren will be headlining the Rock Lana Festival on March 30th here in Atlanta at Center Stage, so I'll just shut up and say welcome, Joey Allen, to Talkin' the Talk with the Great Southern Brain Fart
1: what is up Don how are you doing brother
0: I'm doing great and uh, thanks for not running like hell for seeing something called the Great Southern Brain Fart man
1: hey everybody farts (laughs)
0: <laughs> you'd be su- you'd be surprised how many people have actually said like I, i've i've yeah you know, i've been doing this for about uh 10 years now i've been running my blog and i've been doing the podcast for about two years because i used to do all my interviews verbatim um you know just right. type them up old school and you know i guess i had to keep up with the new school and you know do the whole uh you know podcast thing and uh, yes you do you'd be surprised how many people would be like I'm not gonna talk to someone called the Great Southern Brain Fart and I'm like, Oh come on, man, you used to sing songs about getting blowjobs in bathrooms so you know, like That's right you know, What's up, you know?
1: <laughs> everybody farts. That's all I have to say to that. I mean everybody
0: farts. I love that. That should be a song. You know, maybe in a new warrant tune, I don't know. <laughs>
1: Well, we're we're starting to write for I heard we were starting to write for a new record. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, if it is, I'll let the guys know and uh, maybe we'll put it in the queue for you.
0: Please do, man, and a songwriting credit would be, you know, of course greatly appreciated.
1: <laughs> yes, sir. You got it. Well, so
0: 1989 Dirty Rotten Filthy Stinking Rich comes out and it was a big breakout for you guys, and I remember when the album came out, you know, of course, you know, I was, like, around. God... Fifteen or so, you know. Don't make me feel old, Don. Oh, hey, dude. Well, I'm. I'll, for- hang, I'll hang up on you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Well, the, the opt- well, now that you asked for it, I was 15 and I'm 45 now. Okay. So how does that all make right. you feel now? Well, you're
1: you're young. I'm sure your liver's not 45, but that's all right.
0: Are you kidding, man? Oh, it's my, 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 my brain is 17, but my body feels like it's 75. So it's like I'm know. I'm
1: right there with you, my brother. I'm right there
0: with you. <laughs> but I mean, but when that album came out one of the things I totally remember was that you know of course this is like you know pre-internet pre anything of knowing what was going on sans you know Circus or Metal Edge or Hit Parader and things like that and when Warrant came out there was just something about that debut album that stuck out above so many of the other glamars. I mean like I remember a lot of people comparing you guys to Poison, but my friends and I used to actually say that you guys were were like Poison, but that you guys could actually play. And so, Mm. you know, no disrespect to Poison, because I like Poison. (laughs) But you guys had, it was like, I don't know what it was. It was like the guitars were bigger. it, it It was catchier. But then there was like, bits of heaviness, like even with the, the title track and ride and high and songs like that, you know, that really stuck out. Um What was it about warrant that rose above the other bands say, like from the, the whole Gazzari's era, because I remember Bill Gazzari saying the next big band that's going to come out of here is warrant. I guarantee it, you know, but so yeah. what do you think it was? What was it that you guys were doing that was different from, Odin or whatever you know other
1: bands yeah I mean first off the guys in Poison are all good friends of ours and they can all play very well it's just back then I think the comparison was because of the live show and a lot of what we did live we borrowed from them Mm -hmm. um, because their live show was great back in LA when it was happening and it still is I mean Brett does a great job on his own live and he's really kind of taking the moniker over from what I think David Lee Roth should have been um, but Brett's Brett's a great front man, and those are all friends of ours, so I just wanted to do that disclaimer for sure first before we get into it.
0: Oh, absolutely, I think I, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think the difference between, between um, first of all, that first record, you know, it's 30 years old, and a lot of fond memories. It, it, it was produced to me, for me, my ear wasn't produced great sound-wise. I mean, it was great for drums, it was great for vocals, but when it comes to guitar, it wasn't, produced so well from my perspective, sound wise, Um, you know, but what I think really set us apart, if you didn't have a picture of us before you listened to it, was that the songwriting that Janie, you know, was was well, you know, beyond his, his years at, I thought was just different than anybody else out there
0: yeah um, yeah 30
1: 32 pennies in a ragu jar i mean what the fuck is that can i say the f-bomb
0: dude you can fucking say whatever okay. you want man this is great, my show dude because
1: <laughs> it's fucking annoying when you can't cuss in an interview um but anyways i mean it was just beyond anything else out there it was it was like i don't know how to put it but maybe you know songwriting with some some um education behind it i mean you know, Janie did have some, some English teachings behind him as far as that was concerned, um, further education after high school. Um, mm-hmm. So, and he just thought differently than a lot of songwriters out there. It wasn't all about, about women and sex and drugs. It was just some odd, different different uh, views. And he wrote, he wrote some really beautiful songs. So I think, I think at the end of the day, that's really what set us apart was the songwriting. Um,
0: you know I would have to totally agree with that because you know I have this whole concept of that if you can if you strip a strong if you strip a song down to like the bare bones of it all you know like if you can pick up an acoustic guitar and you can play the chords and sing the songs now that's not always the case with all bands because obviously like so damn pretty and you know, and probably wouldn't be the sure. greatest example or down, boysie, right. but like 32 penny, sometimes she cries in the sticks, you know, I mean, like there was obviously, you know, he was a storyteller, you know, so even exactly. though he kind of would go into those moments you know like the, this kind of as as we would say this kind of the the cheesy sex and drug mo- and rock and roll right but there yeah. was some really good storytelling there and and obviously you know all the songs were written by Janie and what I always wanted to know from from you guys was that was that something you guys were cool with I mean like were you like man, take it and run with it. You've obviously got this down. Or was it something that you always wished you could have been more involved in? Like, was there there kind of a power play in there sometimes?
1: If you asked all four remaining members that were around making those records at that point, that same question, you'd probably get a different answer from every guy. Which so makes I, sense. I can only yeah. I can only answer for, for myself, you yeah. know, because I don't want to disrespect any of my bros in my band. But right. I, I mean, at the time, you know, to be honest with you, I wasn't a songwriter. Am I a songwriter right now? No, I'm just not. There's some people that just, that are players. I'm a player. I like, I play guitar. That's what I work on. I work on playing guitar. I I, I sit down and I I work on really mundane, boring things guitar-wise that that aren't necessarily songwriting. I think that a lot of guys like Jeannie, um, not a lot of guys, but guys like Jeannie that just had that talent, I think it's inherent. I don't think it's something that you can sit there and work at forever and then just, you know, then you've got it and you're good. You know, I think it's. Right. I think you can get better, um when you write songs and you work hard like that but i think that he just had a gift and and when you have a guy like that in your band see this is from my perspective um you know why push back you know it's like you know if you if you're on a, if you're on a race car team you know and you've got a guy that is a better driver than the other guys and let him drive that's that's my perspective. Um, doesn't mean that there's not good songwriters in Warrant now, because there are. Right, Jerry writes great. Eric writes some great stuff. Robert writes some great stuff. Steven and I always put stuff in the kitty. I mean, there's riffs. I do guitar riffs, but I'm not a storyteller. Right. I don't... I don't, I don't sit down and read a lot of fiction. And I think Janie got a lot of his storytelling because he read a lot. I, I just don't do that. I read a lot of technical manuals. I'm that guy, you know, so my <laughs> shit would, my shit would be odd. You know, I'd be more of a,
0: You'd be like a prog you know, even like if
1: you look at brilliant bands like rush, where you've got these just technically proficient musicians and then, and then Neil Peart, you know, read all this fiction and that's where all that that storytelling comes from. Oh so yeah. I think, I think, you know what I mean? So I think that's, that's the whole thing when it comes down to the big difference in warrant. And no, I wasn't personally pissed off. I, I mean, how could you be bummed that you're in a band with a guy that can write, sit and hit songs. He would come in with something. He would come in with it. Like, let's say 95% complete, mm-hmm. you know, and he can play guitar or he could play guitar. So he would have, the riff, he would have the chorus, the verse, he would have most of the lyrics done, and he would show us, this is what I got, and then what would happen would, I would learn the riff, Eric would learn the riff, Jerry Mm -hmm. would start tooling around on bass, and we would, and we, you know, in that context, there was more arrangement, I think, that happened when we would go start working through a song like that. So there were guys in this band that definitely had um, a, a foot in arranging some of those early songs that you heard. Right. Um, but that doesn't constitute writing. You know what I mean? And that doesn't constitute co writing, I don't think. Because you're just moving parts around. Right. But it still, it's, it's like a a, it still does constitute a block.
0: It still does constitute as a band effort in a sense that.
1: That's when you, that's when you get success. And, and it's, here's an easy analogy. And I heard somebody, I'm ripping this off from somebody. I don't know who said it, but <laughs> when I heard the person say this, I couldn't, I couldn't put, put it better. Uh, a band, especially one that's had some success, you've got five, you, you've got a hand. Okay. And you've got five separate fingers. Let's say it's a five piece band. Each one of those fingers is a different fingerprint. Okay. Oh, absolutely. And when you make, when you make a fist, all of a sudden you have this powerful powerful force right that is a and, great and
0: analogy is, isn't it a great analogy <laughs> really yeah, i ripped that is.
1: off from somebody i would love to take take uh, uh, credit for that but it, I, it wasn't me somebody said that and i thought it was a great analogy so that's the best way for me to put it and and every finger has an importance in the band it doesn't matter if you're the drummer or you're the second voice or the third voice because we all sing Um, And and that's what makes bands unique. And that's why bands like Motley sound like Motley. And that's why bands like Poison sound like Poison. And, you know, there's a unique uh, thing that happens when all five or four of those pieces come together.
0: There's a chemistry, and then not only is there a chemistry, but then that it also becomes kind of a for- formulaic thing, where... It happens. If you have success, like it certainly happens. Once the debut album was released, and then you guys hit the road hard, Like you guys were opening for Crew, you guys were opening for... Lo- like. What was your first major tour?
1: It was the last four or five months, which was the Dr. Feelgood tour. We, we couldn't get a major tour, and when I say major tour, I mean arena right to save our lives like the skid the skid row guys who are great you know scotty rachel dave you know all great friends of ours um you know out of the box they went on tour with bon jovi i mean right. they went from like clubs to arenas in an overnight i mean not to say that they didn't weren't around prior to those clubs or didn't put in their dues or anything but we were stuck in clubs a lot longer than they were we were just we couldn't get a tour I heard a rumor
0: that you guys opened or toured with Eddie Money is that true yeah <laughs> oh love
1: the Eddie. I love the money man come on that
0: is incredible I not love the money
1: man I grew up on those I grew up on those first two records yeah, but, those first two records are killer
0: but what I love about that is you just totally confirmed a rumor that it was, it was so long lasting within my my circle of friends for years because they were like there's no fucking way Warren played with Eddie Money that's just crazy We know? we were on the same
1: label Columbia and I think that's how it got together and mm. And, you know, I've got a lifelong relationship with Eddie Money because I love Eddie Money. I love his music. He's a great guy. His band at the time were just all top notch musicians Tommy Gervin, Glenn Simmons, all these badass players. Glenn Simmons. You know, that's, yeah that that are just killer and I don't think they're in the band anymore because I think he's got some of his family members out, which is good for him. That's too. what I
0: heard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Good for him, man. I understand that. You know, I understand the Ed Van Halen, Wolf Van Halen thing. Wolf Van Halen's a badass bass player too, but he I totally i get it. But I, I yeah. you know I grew up on I grew up on Michael Anthony and Van Halen. So part of me's like, dude, really? And then the other part's like, I get it. I've got a son, you know, I'd love to jam with my son, especially in that situation. We did 282 shows or something like that. I think is the a number. The last yeah. five or six months, whatever, four to six months was with Motley on their Dr. Phil good tour. We started that tour with them. And then right before it came to LA, mm-hmm. um, we, we dropped off and went in and started making cherry pie.
0: Because what I remember about that show, and I remember it being really, uh, it it was the first time I saw you guys live. And I remember I was super excited because I had the album, like you said, like I had the album for a little while. And I was, of course, I was like, I said, like 15, 16. And I was like, I don't know if they're coming. I don't know if I'm ever going to get to see them. And of course, word gets out. You guys are on, on the bill with crew, which at the time, you know, you guys were peaking crew was speaking and it was like one of the tours of the year and right I, I, to this day my memory of that show was that i was so impressed that crew gave you guys like enough stage room you guys had a full fucking stage setup like i remember thinking like that is badass dude i've never seen an opening act with a stage that big you know what i mean <laughs>
1: Yeah. You know what? They treated us, they treated us really well on that tour. We had a great time and, and, um, very fond memories of them. They've, they you know, they put their book out. I think they talked some shit about us in their book. I think Mick did. I heard, I haven't read that book because of it. Oh, it's um, the
0: great, it's the greatest work of fiction ever.
1: Yeah, they're, you know, I don't. I don't <laughs> want to rag on the crew because I'm a fan, and I, you know, those any yeah. opportunity they get to create a little dirt, so to speak. Oh yeah, <laughs> is um is is going to happen, you know? But the a great band and um and it was a lot of fun, you know. So so um a good way to finish the first cycle of touring yeah. and make a record and you know, but yeah, it was uh was an excellent way to finish it they were sober in fact we played You're in atlanta we're in talking about atlanta right today i
0: was just gonna say i remembered seeing you guys now that i think about it before that you guys played the atlanta jam with cinderella it was cinderella white lion warrant and tangier you guys wow at lakewood amphitheater do you remember that okay no. <laughs> no.
1: No, you just, all right. See you later. No, um, no, I don't, I don't remember that at all. I don't, oh, I don't know. I, Maybe it,
0: it was. So uh, when I talked to Tom Kiefer, um, what it was was something happened. I don't know what it Does was. He remember it. He he actually did because when I brought up the Atlanta Jam, one of the things he um he, he, he uh, laughed about. It. He said he's because it was it was like like a kickoff of the second leg or the third leg. No, it was the second leg, I think, of the Long Cold Winter Tour because the first okay. leg had Bullet Boys and Winger, and then the second leg had White Lion and Tangier, and for some reason you guys were either crossing paths or something or you were coming through town and you got added to the bill. And okay. you guys did, at the end of the show, it was Cinderella, Warrant, and Tangier. Y'all all did a jam on stage together of like... uh um uh, like a, a couple of cover tunes like, like a Sweet
1: jump, Home Alabama yeah, or something I don't
0: Jumpin' Jack Flash and something like that you know sounds and
1: it was, like something Tom would do yeah. yeah
0: it was like a southern rock thing you know and I totally yep. remember that show but I'm bummed you don't
1: <laughs> yeah I'm sorry I mean it sounds like a great show
0: <laughs> actually I, lo- I love
1: <laughs> Kiefer I love Kiefer and Cinderella and, and Fred Fred's a good friend uh, Eric all those guys are good friends so Yeah, I I wish I had that memory, man. There's some things that happen when you get older that just aren't good, you know, like losing memory or maybe it's because i played so many shows that some of them just slip away. I don't know.
0: I was just going to say, like, you know, I was talking to Jason McMaster a couple days ago and I was telling him, I said, you know, you guys played here. I'm a
1: a huge Dangerous Toys fan.
0: Oh, that's why it's going to be so great to see you guys all on the same bill. But, like, I told McMaster, I said, you know, I saw you guys in 1990 with Junkyard at Center Stage and he goes, are you sure it was at center stage i thought that was at the cotton club i was like no dude it was center stage because it's like a legendary show in town and he goes all right well then we'll go with plan b man like yeah. you know yeah. like you know
1: good like, good to know what's happening to him too
0: <laughs> well that's the same thing with me is that you know i'm 45 and i just wrote a book um this is a collection of essays of myself growing up as a metalhead because i know the older i get the harder these stories are to remember. So, that's right. why I started this blog and this podcast in the first place cuz I, you know, you know when I'm when I'm losing it, I want to be able to go back and listen to it and go, "Oh yeah, that happened," you know? <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly.
0: Well, so then you guys moved into the second stage obviously like after that tour and y'all went into Cherry Pie and you know with all due respect i have to say that you know as a as a fan i felt a little lost with cherry pie like it it had some great moments but right. it almost kind of felt it didn't feel as natural as the debut for some reason. I feel like there was like these like moments of really greatness. And then there were moments where I was just like, okay, this feels just like, you know, like, like, like the cover and then the ode to Tipper Gore thing, you know, I was, I just remember thinking like, Oh, why did they do this? You know? I mean, but I remember, you know, I mean, I get the relevance of it, but I just remember thinking like, you know, this, this, it didn't hit me as hard. Um, right what is your what is your 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 thoughts going back and thinking about cherry pie as far as an album
1: the first records from most bands are gonna be probably the the band in its truest form for that time because here's what's going on you've got four or five guys or three guys in some instances when you have like uber talent like Rush um that are are on the road playing their craft and you don't have any money Mm -hmm. and you're sleeping in the same beds in hotel rooms where you've got four guys in one room and your 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 food and drink is not important it's just music and and being in this so to speak circus lifestyle Mm -hmm. once you have some success and all of a sudden you leave the tour and you're not going back to you know, sleep in a house where there's five or six guys in the house because you got crew um, and everybody all of a sudden has enough money to have their own apartment or whatever it is. Um, it changes the dynamic of a band. It just does. There's nothing right. that changes it more, um, especially success and money. It just changes everything. Right. So all of a sudden you've got, four or five guys in a band that are that have gone from eating, shitting, fucking everything you do together um, to now everybody's separated. Right. So then when you're starting to look at making a record, um, instead of that being an ongoing basis that happens at rehearsal, you get together to rehearse, to make a record okay you're not you're not going you're not going hey let's just rehearse because let's rehearse you know it's not like that anymore right now it becomes a different animal so I think that that this is my perspective again I don't want to speak for anybody else in this band but that's my perspective Mm -hmm. is that that's the big change is success just changes people and some people you know handle it well some people don't um some people, uh, some bands handle it. Well, some bands don't, you know? Um, So if it was different, if it was different for you, for for you, you know, it was different for us, you know? And and that's why the difference, I mean, there just wasn't that fresh attitude of, you know, of hunger of just, we got to do this. It was more of like, okay, what do we want to do next? You know, and, and certainly Janie's songwriting had matured. The, the Ode to Tipper Gore thing that's on there, mm-hmm. that was just a direct answer to, to the PMRC at the time. If you remember, Which I totally
0: Ottawa. remember. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The Ode to Tipper Gore. She was, she was on the hunt thinking that demon music and, and guys like me and <laughs> bands like us were out to, to, poison our youth and and you know and take everybody down this hellhole of depravity and and whatever you want to call it when we were just having some fun right you know right and and so you see guys like d snyder go in front of congress who d's an articulate guy Mm -hmm. and was able to say hey you know there's some education here and no we're just it's an art you know um, so when we we had a live uh, performance that was going on Westwood One back in the day, and they had to take out all of the cussing, cause we, you know, Janie cussed a lot at a live show.
0: <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs>
1: and so when he did that, and we heard the guy, one of the engineers that did it was the guy that was engineering um, Cherry Pie, and he played that during one of our days in the studio, and we're like, God, oh, we should put that on the record and call it "Ode to Tipper Gore," and boom, it was—it was that easy. <laughs> so that's the reasoning behind that. It's not—it's not that we came out and wanted to change the world. It's just like this is All funny right. as shit. Let's do that, you know. So stuff like that happened and tongue in cheek, and I mean, that record was a lot different before Cherry Pie even hit it because Cherry Pie was the last thing that ever got added to that.
0: Yeah, and that you was know? the thing is that I re- I totally remember. Um, Hearing that Cherry Pie was obviously, like, a last-minute addition because the band was like, we need, or, or, I mean, the the label was like, we need like a hit, we need something big, something, on. because really if you take cherry pie off that playlist and, you know, and again, I'm just an opinionated fan. So, you know, of all, all, all bands that I like, so no disrespect, but of course when when I first heard cherry pie, I was just like, Oh man, God, they just got dumber, (laughs) you know? And like, but then all of a sudden I heard uncle Tom's cabin and I'm like, is this the same fucking guy that wrote? That, you know what I mean? Like, so it was amazing to me how, how, how like, you know, the scope of things could change with just a song, you know what I mean? Sure. But yet it ended up being a huge hit for you guys, which made, which, which took you guys you know, onto bigger tours made you took you guys into amphitheaters as headliners and arenas, you know, so are you
1: talking about the song or the record
0: both, you know, cause yeah. um, you know, cause uh, you know, I mean the, the song obviously was a huge hit, but it, you know, which drew, you know, everyone to the album and, um, right. But the, but the meat of that album, you know, like, uh, like I'm, I just pulled up the track list to look at it and, I can the difference between the first I can definitely see the growth in the songs do you know what I mean
1: but yeah you gotta look at songs like Rainmaker and and um oh my gosh you're G- the only you're the only hells on there right
0: yeah you're the only hell yeah. Mr. Rainmaker yeah that
1: song beckons back to the first record
0: I mean Blind um, Faith that's a great fucking song yeah you know what I there mean? you go like, so there's some know.
1: there's the storytelling you know it's just it's just growth you know and oh yeah and, and, and unfortunately you know that's a personal thing or fortunately whatever i don't know yeah. you know and i think that i i've ha- i have bands that i love that i grew up to that put out records and i'm i get the same vibe i'm like wow where's you know where's surrender where's like cheap tricks a huge i'm a huge cheap trick fan and you know i was good until like right after next position, please. You know? Right, and and right. I'm like, wow, I kind of don't get it. And, and now I listen to stuff they do nowadays and they put out and you know, here, here's, here's the reality of it is, and you could probably understand or dig this cause you're a musician is that you grow up on a certain set of music, mm-hmm. you know, you at a certain time, pretty concrete. What's what bands, what music you really grow up on. You really dig that never changes you know you broaden your horizons at one point or another to where you go okay i like this new band or that new band but the bands you like to begin with you'll always like something about it because you've got a memory something good happened you learned something you had an experience you met your first girlfriend whatever it is and no matter what that band does moving forward is gonna trump that there's just nothing you can do to 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 make that better i don't care what anybody says you know that's my personal opinion and how i grew up with music is that there's certain records from bands that nobody can touch in my opinion yeah you know and if our first record you have a fond memory of it and then we came out with another one and you're like okay well this isn't this isn't what I was expecting. Well, you know, I, I think as a, as an artist, you can never make the same record twice. I mean, if you do, you're probably cooked. You know. Well,
0: because it's funny I mean, because before our interview, I went back and I I listened to um yeah you know, the first three because I really kind of stopped listening after Doggy Dog. One of the first things I thought was the substantial songs on these albums that are like you know like you said, like that aren't the overly sex, drugs, rock and roll thing are fantastic. Some of the sex, drugs, rock and roll songs are good, but then some of them seem to almost just be like, like, did you ever personally feel like it was a little overdone and that you would have, that you would have preferred more like rainmaker, you know, better roses, uncle Tom's cabin, stuff like that. Or no,
1: I never have that perspective. My perspective was just, every, every one of them was different, you know, and, and the thinking of, you know, you got to remember guitar player mind. I was just trying to think of what I can do as a guitar player to make it special or make it different than the last song, because I don't, the last thing you want to do is play the same song over and over and over, or, is that right? you know, with a different chorus or something like that. So I never really have that perspective and especially not being the songwriter in the band. Um, I didn't have that perspective. Um, you know, when you think back about it now as, as a as a 50-something guy that plays in a band and we do about, I don't know, 40, 50, 60 shows a year, you know, singing about love and stereo. Um <laughs> although i love women you know I, i've got a 27 year old daughter and you know that's kind <laughs> of embarrassing to me you know but, but it's but, part but of your past. The same, on the same hand it, it is what it is you know i can't run away from that you no, know no,
0: it's party and it's nobody party can right.
1: run away from cherry pie nobody i mean that that song was written for a specific reason and and it served its purpose period it served its purpose so well that it, you know, it was a top, I think it got to number 11 or something on the It was a
0: huge song. Yeah.
1: Uh... Yeah, I mean it was all the video served its everything about that served its purpose. It wasn't meant to do anything different than exactly what it did. And um and so mission accomplished. So I don't really look at look at it that way. I I I uh just look at them as in what can I do to make this special or different than the last song that we just produced or recorded
0: so the end of the tour you guys um i think correct me if i'm wrong though was it i think it was the end of the cherry pie tour you guys did monsters Mm -hmm. of rock was that when you guys did monsters of rock in europe it was like you guys pantera maiden testament and all that no
1: no no (laughs) when was that that? was that was um when Doggy Dog was done.
0: Oh, okay. When we
1: took all when we got rid of all the glam and we were tired of people telling us we were just a a you know, a bubblegum pop band and we're like, Okay, well here. Here's Doggy Dog and I think that was when the band you know, you start going in different directions because you get tired when you start worrying about what other people think and say uh-huh. typically um typically the press that's not a good thing to do um then then you do something you can do something that's adverse to your career you can do something that's not real honest because you're trying to appease somebody i don't think with dog eat dog we were trying to appease anybody i think we were just pissed at people calling us something that we weren't You know, people that were looking at the band for cherry pie and saying, "Well, you're just cherry pie band." It's like, okay, well, you're so fucking heavy. You know, here's this. You know, here's April twenty thirty one, or here's um, Quicksand, or some of that heavier stuff that was on that record, just as heavy as you know anybody else in our genre, just as heavy, if not heavier, and certainly more thought provoking. Um, I never heard anybody. And, and uh, let's pick on Motley. I don't know what post-apocalyptic song Nicky ever wrote. Do you know what I mean? No. Maybe I'm missing something.
0: No, no, um, actually. No
1: disrespect to to Nikki because he's a good guy and a and I'm a huge fan and and they, they've written some great songs. And over he'd the like years, to
0: think he he did, but he did. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know, yeah. But... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what he thinks. You know, he's a good dude. I'm not trying to rag on anybody here. I'm not that kind of guy, but
0: no, I know what you mean.
1: It was thought provoking, you know, and you know, uh, Andy Warhol was right. I mean, you, you know, here, here's a hairband and Andy Warhol was right. What the fuck is that? You know,
0: I just remember so thinking, think, yeah, that doggy dog was, was more, it, it, it was very reminiscent to me of the, like when Skid Row went from the debut to Slave to the Grind. Do you know what I mean? Like it was like, you know, okay, so you think we're this, you know, I Remember You, 18 in Life band. Well, here, here you go. You know, Slave to the Grind, Monkey Business, shit like that.
1: Yeah, know? they went in a harder direction for sure. And for whatever reason, I mean, I, that, their first record's great. And that, that fucking song, you know, Monkey Business, that is a fucking ass riff and it's you know i get it i mean you know you'd have to talk to them and figure out where their head was at the time but i think <laughs> i think you know um I, I get skid row i like skid row they're a great fucking live band they sound amazing right now and they oh, have yeah. it's you know but you're not going to hear monkey business um you know on on every radio back in the day because it was just heavier than shit
0: it was it was you know? it was too much and like the same thing with you know Doggy Dog is that I remember I mean you know th- that album is very it's held in a Pretty high regard, you know, by a lot of people who listen to that style of music, and who, you know, I mean, I was one of those guys that I listened. Yeah, you know, I had like three friends in high school, and we listened to everything from, you know, Skid Row and Winger to like, you know, Slayer and Testament and Megadeth, you know. And right. I just remember when Dog Eat Dog came out. You know, I was a senior in high school, and I was like holy shit this album like you know like it actually took me like a couple of listens to like wrap my head around how much I liked it because it was so different and I remember you guys had a tour planned it was booked it was the even had a show booked and advertised at Lakewood which I think had Tora Tora and so, god, so I wish I could remember who the third Lynch Mob. Lynch Mob. Thank you. Yes. And yep. had tickets in hand. Everything. Show canceled. But then you guys came through. You played at the Masquerade. Which is like right. a club in Atlanta. Still to this day one of my favorite shows that I've I've ever seen it was I mean it was wow. it, to me it was one of the best probably the best warrant show I ever saw because there was so much going on there you know what I mean like I could feel the energy I could feel the anger the frustration even in the heavier songs you know opening with Inside Out and everything was just great about it you know so is, is that the album that toured is that what broke the band I mean like what, what, as far as like what kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back of so to speak or
1: no not from my perspective and everybody's got a different memory of of all accounts at least the five guys in the band did right and Janie had have his own memory and, and eric and jerry and steven have their own memories so that in the in the in there when we all get together and if we ever talk about any old thing one you'll hear one guy go Wow! Yeah. Wow! You've got a memory like I still, you know, like I don't remember that, but yeah. Okay. now yeah, I do. And in some guy will bring something up, you know, that you don't remember. So there's there's always that situation. But um, that that's probably when the band was at its best, as far as um, as far as playing wise is concerned. Just because that record wasn't an easy one to make you know, and we were working hard, hard, hard at the time. So that band, that, that, the band at that time, you're right. The band was good at that time for sure. Um, But that record didn't break us. I don't think, I think what broke us was, was that fact that, you know, Janie wanted to go and do more than what he was doing in Warren. He wasn't getting, there was one thing he wasn't probably getting his, his uh, outlet through Warren anymore. And, he was in a marriage that was having some problems at the time and and the 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 the, the better or the other half of his marriage um, was hanging out a lot with Vince Neals wife at the time
0: oh yeah and
1: Vince got a big deal at Warner Brothers at the time got a, a few million bucks mm-hmm. and so i think that it was probably motivated by money greed a little bit and uh-huh. and the the desire to do something on his own but he, you know the bands that the singers that go out and do something on their own let's take john bon jovi for instance you know he wanted to do something on his own he was successful at going i'm going to do a solo record and then i'm going to get back in my band and go out and do what people love love me to do which right is which bon is, jovi. Be,
0: yeah right exactly
1: and, and he was smart and he's a smart guy and look at where his career is and look at where, what he's done. Mm-hmm. Then you've got guys, um, and no disrespect because I don't like to talk ill of anybody that can't speak up for themselves, but you got guys like Janie that were uber, uber talented when it came to songwriting, but equally as untalented when it came to business business decisions.
0: Right. Right. And
1: and and you you surround yourself with people that are going to help your business, and if you don't surround yourself with people that can say, "Hey, you know, great, do a solo record, but wait until you finish this tour with your band, and then take a few years and go do your go do your mm-hmm. own thing, do a tour, do whatever you want, you know." But that's not the way it was handled. Yeah. And 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 that's basically what broke the band, in my perspective, is that he just decided that he wanted to do something and he shit all over everybody that was there with him Mm -hmm. from the start, you know? And, and unfortunately when you've got that fist, those five fingers and that fist that makes a band, right? Once you start doing stuff like that and treating people like that in business, it's like any business. If you've got a business partner that fucks you over, steals from you, um, then there's going to be a fracture there. You
0: know, you know if you can, yeah. con-
1: if you can continue great, if you can't, you can't, but <laughs> that's just, that's reality from my perspective and no disrespect to him, you know, cause he can't sit here and talk for himself, you know? And I don't want to, I don't want people to come out of this interview. going, God, he's an asshole. He's talking about a dead guy. It's, it's not like that. It's just reality. That's my perspective, you know?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, because, you know, I mean, we all know that bands are the first and foremost dysfunctional family you know what i mean like so there's sometimes and if not all times going to be something that's going to go down like that you know but with the doggy dog tour so when you guys did that monsters of rock fest yeah, you, know, you had Pantera, yep. Maiden, Testament, all this stuff. One of my favorite fucking moments is Dimebag Daryl on stage with you guys singing Down Boys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like,
1: in like, Italy and Milan, and, Italy. Yeah, remember that.
0: And it just showed that like even someone like, like him who was in a band that heavy was not ashamed to say, dude, you know, I fucking love this kind of music too. You know, he was very open about it. Like, do you, what was the reception to you guys, like, being on a bill that, like that? That's from the audience.
1: Um. First of all, the reason why we were on that bill is because we were touring with Iron Maiden in Europe on the Dog Eat Dog Tour. We had about, I don't know, a dozen shows with them over there. Mm-hmm. And Iron Maiden treated us like golden. I mean, they didn't. Fuck around with us and cut our stage space. They just—they were just gentlemen, you know. Iron Maiden, you know, who is one of my favorite bands of all time that I grew up listening to, um, doesn't need to cut your stage room. It's not like you're going to smoke Iron Maiden, you know what I mean? <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly.
1: Anybody, I mean, you could have you could have Judas Priest and Iron Maiden on the same bill. It doesn't matter who opens up; they're both brilliant.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know? And right.
1: they're both so different. Just enjoy it. And that's how they treated us. I mean, they were great. Yeah. So that was one stop where I think Maiden headlined. Um, and it was their show and we were on tour with them. So we ended up on the bill. Mm hmm and even we were looking at that bill when we got that and we're like, Oh, f- Oh fuck.
0: <laughs> was there like a sense you know? of fear that kind of grew in you? Like, Oh, well, no. <laughs> it, no, it was just
1: like, you know, I mean, well, I'm a Pantera fan and, and, and we knew dime and the guys by then because we had played Dallas so many times. And every time we crept around Dallas, you know, if they were in town, dime would always just, you'd he, turn around and he'd be on stage creeping around with a bottle of crown, you know, pouring <laughs> it down your throat and, <laughs> <laughs> and he'd say, you know, the same thing would happen locally in Dallas that happened on that Italy stage you saw so many times I can't even remember. But, he, you know, he was a fan of that music, even though he was heavy. And so that was that was inviting, and that makes you feel at home. But everybody on that bill, even I remember Ronnie James Dio, because Sabbath was on that bill. Yes, When they yes. were called Sabbath. Because um, that was
0: the re- the big dehumanizer reunion. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah. Was,
1: he, was, he was like, he came up to us after we got off stage and he's all, you got to come over to my house and I've got a pub and I would love to just hang out with, and he was just great, you know? And so everybody was great, great. You know, I remember having a conversation with Vinnie Paul about if I shaved my pubes or not, you know? (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) And and he was drinking a lot, by the way. So So anyways, I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun. So, I'll just tell you this, you know, I don't think we played heaven that day. You know, <laughs> we, we were like, we just played everything we had, that anything that resembled anything heavy. And I think we played a cover of Balls to the Wall by Accept at that show.
0: You guys actually played um, that at the Atlanta show as your encore. When you played at the Masquerade, yeah. I remember that. I mean,
1: we're except we're except fans, so we're all metalheads. I mean, I don't want to speak for Janie, but I know Eric. I know what Eric grew up on because we were in bands before Warren. He was uh-huh. he was into UFO and everybody was into Maiden and you know. So uh, yeah, so yeah, long live long live the metal.
0: Yeah, you know, and so after after it all went down, you know, you know Janie's, you know, demise was so sad to watch. You know, it was so slow and painful. Um, did did you ever have an opportunity to make peace with him before it all before he passed? Or?
1: Before he passed, yeah. Um, when we did the reunion tour, we all made peace. Yeah. Um, legally we had to number one because we were getting ready to go into a new business environment with one another um but there's never been any legal issue with jerry eric stephen and i there's never been anything like that with Janie. there was some stuff that we had to get through and we all just buried the hatchet on a bunch of shit and moved on you know and when we toured on that reunion tour we all, you know, the, the five guys that are still, still with us breathing, we all, you know, lived up to our part of the bargain. I mean, we, we took booze off the writer. We didn't want it to be around him, even though there's some people in the band that can drink like adults and not drink or drink if they want. Right. Just took it off the writer and, you know, to respect his, his, uh, his difficulty with having it around and, and, um, and so the piece was made at that times right. um, in my eyes. I mean, there wasn't anything under the bridge. There was nothing. I wasn't pissed about anything, anything that I was pissed about prior had already been talked about. So we were good mm-hmm. to go. Um, what happened from that point on is, is completely sad. Yeah. Um, because he just, he just, no matter what we did, to help him out. There was no helping, you know, sober coach on the road at $500 a day. Um, you know, no booze backstage, uh, AA meetings before shows backstage. I mean, I can, I can just go on, you know, there was just a point where we woke up one day and I think it was Jerry came in and said, I don't want to do this anymore. this guy's going to die on the road. And I don't want to, I don't want that memory, you know? So we, that's when it ended. And and in it didn't end because we were pissed or anything. It just ended because of exactly that. Yeah. And um, you know, a, a year or so later, I saw him at Nam, which is a big music show out here on the West Coast.
0: Yeah, out um, there in Anaheim. I, yeah. Know?
1: Yeah, I work. I work for a for a, for a music company during the day, and and he was there, and I saw him, and one of my buddies who was a buyer at a at a very well-to-do music music uh, corporation said hey there's your guy and i turned around and i just looked at him and kind of nodded like hey and he was just staring at me biting his fingernails like he does and and then about i don't know a few months after that mike fazano a good friend of ours called me and said hey man let's let's call lane and go out to lunch with him and i said that's a great idea so i, I dialed him up and got his voicemail and i said hey man it's me just want to say, hi, you know, hope you're well. And, you know, Fazano wants to grab a bite. Let's go out and, mm-hmm. and, you know, grab some food somewhere and just catch up. I hope you're well. And so, so to me, even though we had split after the reunion tour, there was no, there was no, no animosity, mm-hmm. you know, at all. And, and, uh, when we heard of his passing, it was tragic. I mean, everybody in this band, it wasn't, it wasn't good.
0: No, I mean, cause like you said, at some horrible. point, you know, to kind of echo back to the whole dysfunctional family kind of thing is that it's also, it's a dysfunctional marriage, you know, and you can only do so much to help somebody before they start to pull you down. and and unfortunately you have to let people go and you know and are you married i am i've uh, i've been with my uh well we've been married for uh 11 years but we have been we've been together okay. for 21 yeah
1: good good for you i've been together with my wife for 23 married 13 i think this year mm-hmm. i forget In my first wife i was married together for a day you know how hard a marriage is it's not it's um, not it's work it's, it's work. It's hard, especially if there's children involved. There's just, there's just a lot of moving parts. When you're in a band, the best way for me to put it, it's not necessarily, it doesn't have to be dysfunctional, um, but it's certainly a marriage. And if you're in a band with five guys, it's a, it's four, it's a four-way marriage and there are are four (laughs) separate relationships going on. You know what I mean? And they're all intertwined too, you know, unless you're a polygamist, which is fucking crazy anyways, because I don't know how anybody can (laughs) be married to more than one woman at a time.
0: Um, (laughs) I don't know if it's (laughs) crazy or what it is,
1: but it's fucking crazy. Um, But, uh, but it's, that's what it is. And, 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 and it takes work, you know, my, this band now, is is so solid it's scary there's no drama there's no we've made it past that bump we all get along we're all friends we all care for one another we would all you know do anything for one another now that being said when we're off tour do we talk a lot no Mm -hmm. you know i'm not calling eric every day going hey bro what's up i'm gonna go grab a you know (laughs) Because we all have families and wives, you know what I right. mean.
0: Right. I mean that's what happens when you get you get older, you know. And, right. And to so, be honest, so it's it's what, just, yeah, it keeps the relationship solid too. Is it's space. Yeah, yeah. You so know? it's it's
1: you know if you that's why I asked if you were married because you get it and you know you're a musician on top of it so you you get it even more than that. But it's 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 just it's not an easy thing. Um, but once you get it, once you get good at it. If you're in a band and you get good at it, wow, you know, you've got a great opportunity to, to have some fun in your life and do what you love to do, which is, which is play music. And we're just fortunate to be able to do that still. Um, and we're and, and you know, you might laugh at this, you might not, but we're really good at what we do. It's taken, you know, 30 years. um And we just dialed it in so much that it's, it's really, if you listen to us live and it's all live, there's no bullshit going on. That ain't, ain't happening live. Yeah. Um, we're good. We're good. Now it it, it took us 30 years, you know, (sighs)
0: Look, I, um, I, I, as a musician myself, I totally agree that at forty-five, I feel like I'm doing. I, I feel like I've, I've, I've got, I'm in the best band that I've ever been in. I feel like you go. I feel like I'm writing the best material that I've ever written. You know, but at the same time, I look back on my past and on my lineage, and I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not, I'm not going to throw any of it away. You know what I mean? But sure. I do look back on it and go, God damn, how did I make it through all of that? But you know what at 45 man I'm having a fucking blast man you know there and, you
1: go and so with, you keep it in perspective man that's yeah. the most important thing you can do
0: and you guys with Robert now I mean like just watching the videos and the footage it's like y'all are having so much fun and I have to say it's really it's really it was really cool to see you back on stage again you know because you were gone for a good while and and you're just having a great time you know and I, and I love seeing that you know
1: you know, that's why I'm back. You know, I've been back for, this is my 15th year back. Yeah. I took, you know, eight, nine years off to go do my own thing and get my shit together. It wasn't, I didn't leave this band because I didn't love this band and love the music. I left it because it was a difficult time personally. And I had to go reach inside and do some shit. And, and then when I came back, it was time for me to come back. And, and it did, I didn't leave because I hated anybody in the band. There was just challenges, you know, and, and and i did what i had to do and it was the best thing for me and and if i didn't do that i'd either be dead or i wouldn't be in the band now
0: exactly Um, yeah
1: you know so so everything happens for a reason we're having a blast we're really looking really looking forward to the rock lanta gig on the 30th and i think if we don't get a gig on the 29th we'll come in early and go go see uh you know firehouse boys and 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 some of the other bands on the bill, I'm really looking forward to seeing Dangerous Toys, Tora Tora, you know, Lillian Axe, um, Paiketo, just there's tons of bands on this bill. It's going to be a lot of fun. That
0: second night and, is uh, pretty much like my last three years of high school. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so like, yeah, I, I'm like, you, I'm like beyond myself. Like the, this is just going to be so much fun. But speaking of yeah. rock Atlanta, like, so, so. You know, like I said, you know, the last time I saw Warrant was Doggy Dog at the Masquerade. So what can I expect to from Warrant um, at Rocklanda?
1: So we're going to play everything off the last two records and no old music. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> okay. Now we're I'm going hang- to come out and
1: okay. bum everybody out. We're going to play all ballads and fucking walk away.
0: Okay. Now I'm um, hanging
1: up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's exactly what's not going to happen. Um, look, we play an hour and 15 to an hour and 20 minutes long. Mm-hmm. We play, We pay homage to every hit we've had. Um, we, We dig deep in some stuff. We've just added a song that we haven't played in, fuck, I mean, 20 years, back to the set. I'm mm-hmm. not going to tell you what it is. It's off the first record. Uh, it's
0: going to be a surprise. Um, I like surprises, dude. Yeah. I,
1: I, I'm the guy in the band that puts the set list together and then I send it out to the guys and usually I get a thumbs up and there we go. That's our set and everybody's happy. And and then I'm the guy that says, Hey, uh, we haven't played a show in a month because we, you know, we've had some time off since, since December and we played one show, I think in January and we sold out a nice 1600 seater over in, uh, where was it in Michigan Uh a few weeks ago? So, but I'm like, Hey, let's, you know, dirty 30, let's pull this out of the bag from, from back then. And, and everybody's you know throwing it around throwing emails around going "All right, I got it you got it you know I got it and what's Turner's like what solo I'm like just play the one you played when we used to play it you know
0: (laughs) I don't want it you know I don't want it it. it's all yours dude (laughs) yeah just
1: remember that shit because you gotta go back when you haven't played something that long you gotta go back and go fuck what did I do how did I do this I forgot
0: who it was I was interviewing sometime. it was a uh, god I wish I could remember but it was like um, a fan had emailed him and and requested a certain song for a show and he was like you know what that'd be fun we haven't played in a while he was like i literally had to like put on my own cd and like listen to it and go okay like figure out the chord. you know he's like i had to learn you know, my I, shit again go ahead and played it in so long you know
1: that's a that's real that's real i mean that's you know most stuff that you play and you play over and over you've got muscle memory just like anything when you learn how to water ski or snow ski or anything like that it's a muscle memory so you can just go back and go boom pretty easy but when you go dig that far back it's like you you know hey do you remember this gig and i'm like no you know and it's (laughs) it's no disrespect to that gig or that time or any band that was on that bill it's just that shit you know that's a long time ago and i haven't thought about it
0: i had a bootleg of that show a long time ago because a friend of mine snuck in a tape recorder and he recorded all all, all the bands and I wish I still had it to play it so I could give it to
1: that's you. That's great. Yeah, that's good. So I got a bunch of old Van Halen bootlegs that I, that I pop in every once in a while. Oh, I'm a bootleg yeah, So That's, thematic, what, that's yeah. what you can expect is just a band that's, that is well tuned up, well oiled, um, we 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 are we're looking forward to seeing a lot of our friends on stage you know like i said dangerous toys we're big fans of jason and everything he's done even with i think this band broken bones uh, that he's he's
0: got oh broken um, teeth they're yeah. broken
1: teeth sorry yeah. sorry sorry no disrespect jason <laughs> jason's um,
0: coming for you dude
1: <laughs> i know no he kicked my ass man skinny little fucker you can throw a punch um but uh <laughs> yeah, we're just looking forward to having a good time. We love Atlanta. It's always treated us well. And and we're going to slam it. We're coming in. We're coming in fired up. So um, you will not be disappointed.
0: Well, Joey, I'm totally looking forward to it, man. And I have to say thank you so much for taking the time to talk today and to answer all of my long, wanting, my long questions that I wanted to know forever. And uh, it's actually been a real fun time talking to you. I really enjoyed this. <laughs>
1: Thank you for for the opportunity, Don. We're looking forward to seeing you at the gig. I will save you a beer,
0: please, and and, and, uh, a, and, a, and a pick too, because I'm one of those oh. guys. <laughs>
1: yeah, we'll give you we'll give you a little pack of picks. We got all kinds of fun picks out there. We got some funny ones. We got some funny ones that we keep to ourselves that we give to just special people. So maybe you can get some of those.
0: Oh, I love it that I'm now a special person that uh, warms my heart, Joey <laughs> Allen. <laughs> well, look, man, thank you so much, and look, best of luck to you guys. Safe travel. Travels and everything, and I can't wait for Rockland. It's going to be so much fun. All right, my man. We'll let right, you John. take care and have a great one, and thanks again.
1: See you in a little bit, brother. Rock and roll. All
0: right.